Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to the Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by Adomni. Increase your revenue by listing your billboard on Adomni. Today's guests are Deanna and Hal Stevenson. Deanna is CEO and Hal is Head of Development for Grace Outdoor, a South Carolina headquartered out-of-home company with more than 300 billboard faces in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Tennessee. Grace Outdoor is a member of the OAAA and IBO USA. Welcome to the show, Deanna and Hal. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Talk about how you entered the out-of-home advertising business. Well, I met a gentleman in college. His name was Bill Dooner. had a company called Omni Outdoor Advertising. And he kind of took me under his wing a little bit. I ended up going to work for him. One of my jobs was to come back to South Carolina and help him up with some plants he had here. And Deanna was in college at USC or U of SC or the Gamecock Nation, <laughs> we like to call it. And we fell in love. I asked her to marry me and go in business together. And so we've been working together ever since. We traveled to Denver for a year of our first year of marriage and had a great time. We were lease brokers, worked with a company called Heritage Outdoor, a guy named Jimmy Daniel out of Fort Worth, Texas. Then we moved on to California where we were had sweat equity in an operation out there. And then Deanna became pregnant with the first of our five. We moved back. She focused on the kids and I continued building signs and developing them. And then she came back about 10 years ago when kids were sufficient age and her skill set and operational and management competency so far dwarfed mine. That's that's why we're still in business and doing well. Yeah. Now, you both work at Grace Outdoor and you've got family members active in the business. What have you learned about running a family-owned business successfully? I mean, that must be interesting because, you know, you're you're in the office together and then you're out of the office together as a husband and wife. You've got family members in the business. Talk about what you've learned. So our youngest son and our youngest daughter work for us. The other three do not. They're, they're probably happy to stay away because <laughs> when we are together, we do talk about business a lot. It is hard to turn it off. And so that that's probably the biggest struggle we have. We'll go on vacation and I tell how repeatedly, I don't want to talk about business. I don't want to talk about business. He says, okay, okay. And he goes, oh, by the way. And he starts talking about business. And I go, stop. And he goes, okay, okay. Oh, and by the way. So it's really hard to turn it off. Yes, yes. For our sake and for the sake of people we know and our other family who don't want to hear it all the time, we do try to turn it off and not talk about it ad nauseum. But it can be difficult. There seems to be a couple models for a family-run business. One is to grow if kids want to be in the business, have them grow up from within, starting out doing anything, the simplest thing, and then promote them that way. But the other model is to tell them to go out in the big wide world and get some skills, then come back. How has Grace Outdoor approached that? We've done both, actually. So our youngest son just decided school was not for him. He's, he's actually back in school now getting his degree online. But at the time, he just didn't see a need for school. But I knew he would be great in sales, so I said, then you can come work for us. And, and he did. So we were his first job. Out. He did go to one year of college and then, and then uh, took a break and, and went full-time with us. And he did great, but he was in the right place and in the right seat on the bus, so to speak, 
our daughter, she did come to work for us, but it didn't work out quite so well. So she did need to go out there into the big wide world and get some experience. And she is now back with us and doing very well. So, you know, I heard a lot of people telling me that I should not give them their first job. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I do. I think there are challenges to that and things you got to watch out for it worked out for one and it didn't for the other you just i don't know i don't know how you figure it out yeah we tried it and it seemed to work but i don't think i don't think either way is the answer it just depends on the situation and on the the kid okay talk about the challenges of being an independent out-of-home company in a world where the big three lamar clear channel and outfront control two-thirds of all the billboards? I guess I'll answer that question as diplomatically as possible, Dave. Because (laughs) I probably wouldn't. Um, (laughs) The outdoor business is no different than, say, the alcoholic beverage business. I read an article in Wall Street where AB InBev was really going to vendors and giving them special deals, and the, the craft beer people, smaller guys, were having a hard time. And It's just that when companies get big, it becomes all about their market share, and they got to wake up every day. I was talking with an executive, one of the larger companies at OAAA, and he said, Hal, we just get up every day with the attitude, we're going to go out there and kick our competition's butt. And I said, well, that's great, but why don't you go after and kick the Internet companies and the TV stations and all those people, because we're no longer a threat to you. We might be an irritation. But we have more to gain by working together than we do having to have you question our permits or push back when a property owner just says, I don't want to deal with y'all, I want to deal with them, and then you make it so difficult. So those kinds of issues are frustrating because, as you know, it's very difficult to to get new billboard sites where in good places because everything's a cap and replace or something. So it's been frustrating, but, you know, we've just decided that Somebody's got to be competition, and we're trying to do it with integrity as best we can. While these, most of these guys are our friends, we have a beer with them or whatever, but we don't wake up every day saying we want to go kick Lamar's butt. We wake up every day saying, man, I hope I can get some deals done today so we can eat. And then they laugh at that and say, oh, you independents. But, you know, a lot of people, I understand, go out and lease and cause them problems and then turn around and sell it, but... We've made a couple of sales over the years, but we've not been, we're not developer sellers, we're developer operators, and we think we bring something to the marketplace, which is positive. And the last thing I'll say about that, it's been such a pleasure to to be in the IBO and get to know a lot of other businesses just like ours that are operating around the country. So it's a bit encouraging to me that there's a lot more of us out there that we didn't know before. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, your point of... If, if out of home worries, instead of uh, taking each other's market share, if we worried about getting out of home share of the ad spend from 4% of revenue, of total ad spend, up to 6%, we'd all have 50% more revenue. And I think, at least at, at the senior levels, you hear people get that at the big three. My sense is it trickles down. They're decentralized. Some of them are extremely decentralized. And so what you're encountering at the local level may just depend on how adversarial the local manager chooses to be. What you're telling me, the nightmare stories of dealing with one of the big three, challenging permits, backstabbing, that happens in some markets. That doesn't seem to happen in others. 
I think it probably stems from really the culture of the local manager. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. I think if you, if you, you know, especially a long-term manager in, the, in one of those organizations, you know, they haven't always been big behemoths. You know, they were just regular outdoor companies fighting other outdoor companies for market share. And so just the way things have advanced with the public markets and everything else, we just don't really consider Lamar to be our competition. We don't feel like we'll ever really compete on the same level as they are. We're just looking for our niche which for us has been to focus in on digital, find some you know, unique and, and, and really good sites and try to be the best we can be as an alternative for them, for us, for some of our advertisers. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about digital. You own, don't you own dozens of digital boards? How many digital boards do you own? So currently we operate 30 digital faces. Wow. Yeah. We just added a new product, kind of, our, our, the city that we live in. We operate digital though all over, you know, the southeast, like you said, North Carolina, Georgia, and South Carolina. But in our city, they wanted to buy this new street sweeper, and on the back of it is a screen, and so we have partnered with them. So that's a new, a new thing we're doing that we're kind of excited about. Very creative, very creative, Diana. Can you talk to us about what what have you learned from you know having installed thirty screens? What works well? What doesn't? Maybe what what have you learned in the process? As far as what I guess in general, uh, operating a digital plant, what are maybe some things you've learned? People all the time are asking me, "What's it like to put in a digital? What can I expect? What are some mistakes that I should try and avoid? You know, what are what are maybe some learnings that you can pass on to people about?" digital billboards? Well, I'll start a bit, Dave, and then turn it to Diana because, I, as I said earlier, her kind of organizational mind, the way that she was made, her dad was an immigrant from Germany, and so she's got a lot of his genes in her for trying to figure out how to make things work. But from my standpoint, as I look and watch as we've operated these digitals, that you've got to be consistent You've got to be customer-oriented because there's so many contracts changing quickly. So she's invested in staff. We're a small company, but we have maybe 13 people on staff. And some people's jobs, main jobs, are to produce proof-of-performance photos or screenshots and get them right out. I'll let Deanna talk with this a bit, but she's done such a good job with her staff that Terry Carmody... All these large agencies are starting to call us because we're giving them what they need. You need to be responsive. What we hear from a lot of these agencies is, God, we try to deal with independence, but we got to beg for POPs, and they just don't seem to do it. So if you an idiot, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, all of our listeners out there, you know, a guy <laughs> like me can be an idiot in the static business and do fine. You put up a good location, you put a 12-month contract on it, and you go play golf for 11 months and renew it. But you can't have that same sort of laid-backness that we've gotten used to a bit when you're dealing with digital. It's, and, and Deanna's done a great job putting the infrastructure in to manage that. Of course, Apparatics has helped that process as well. And yeah, I agree with how details, you just cannot overlook them. We have our digitals running at pretty high occupancy. And so the, I think one of the biggest keys to that is the details. Your contracts have to be tight, you have to deliver, and then you have to prove to them that you delivered. And if you get all that done, and if you get it to them quickly, they come back for more. Because that's not always the case. You know, a lot of people, uh, we've worked with a lot of other companies 
So a lot of people don't know, we're also a management company, so we do manage other billboards for either smaller companies or individuals. And like Hal said, dealing with some of the smaller companies, the bigger agencies and the, and the national advertisers, they don't have time for that. They're trying to cover the whole country. So when they find a good provider that gives them the details that they want, along with all the data and the stats that they want, they come back. That, we've had good success doing it, minding our P's and Q's like that. Thank you. Let's take a break here for a word from our sponsor. Adomni's buying platform enables advertisers and agencies to easily find and buy your unsold billboard space. With Audience IQ technology, advertisers can target consumer profiles, such as demographics, behavior, and interests. Whether you have a Watchfire, Formetco, or Dactronics billboard, Adomni is easy to connect. Join the fastest-growing out-of-home network alongside over 70,000 digital screens. Visit Adomni.com or email sales at Adomni.com to learn more. Mention this Billboard Insider podcast to receive one free year of Adomni's white-labeled booking engine on your website. I get lots of questions from operators as to how to use cloud-based services, whether it's scheduling software, software for automating, the sales process, CRM software, or ad design software. I get a lot of questions on how to use cloud-based software to run an out-of-home business. What has been your experience with using the different cloud-based services to run your business? Well, we have started using Apparatics about three years ago. It has helped us. I can't even tell you how much it's helped us. How so, Deanna? How has it helped you? Keeping up with our contracts as well as it's all integrated, as, as well as production, work orders, all of that is in one system. We used to have that in multiple systems. Wow. Now it's all in one system. So it saves us a lot of time. You get great reports out of it so that, because everything's in one place. We have just converted almost all of our digitals to the scheduling program in Apparatics. The girl who does our postings for us, she's coming to me telling me she's bored. She doesn't have anything to do. It's saving us that much time. Wow. So that wow. has been a huge help. I mean, when you've got 30 billboards. Deanna, that's a lot of short-term contracts, isn't it? I mean, I probably approve five contracts every day. Wow. Wow. And some of them are for a week long or two weeks long or 13 months or 13 periods. It's just so keeping up with all of that before apparatus was just quite a chore. I mean, there were spreadsheets and there were papers everywhere. And now we're almost paperless. We used to have file cabinets just full of contracts and schedules. And now we don't even use those anymore. We don't need file cabinets. Everything's in this one place. It's nice to be able to go to one place to find everything you need. Am I right that you've got a great website and that Apparatics automatically integrates when you're doing things with signs, automatically integrates back into your website? No, we, we have not done that yet. Oh. I, I don't okay. know about that. <laughs> okay, I got you. I, I, I thought some people were, and, and you had such a good site, I was wondering if that was the case. Okay. Oh, no, but I'll certainly yeah. be asking about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's four or five services, Blip, AdQuick, Adomni, ViStar. There's a bunch of services trying to automate the sales process. Have you looked at using any of those services? 
Yes, we used Blip for, I'd say, almost a year or maybe a little less than a year or somewhere around a year. And we actually, we just sold our Memphis sign, so we are not in Memphis anymore. But Memphis had great success with Blip. We got really good rates there, and it, it's still doing well, actually seen the reports. But in, in our market, for some reason, it didn't take off. We weren't even making what we could sell, you know, a slot for. So we we elected not to do There were also some glitches with software and interfacing with the signs. Sometimes it would cause signs to go down, which hmm. is not a good thing. No, no. But so for us, it didn't work for us here in Columbia. <laughs> I think probably another big reason Dave, was that, like Deanna said, we run high occupancy, and if we have a slot and we can make more money, we bump them. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah. they, they probably had a bit of a challenge getting momentum going over here. Mm -hmm. So those guys are super nice guys, and mm -hmm. with any kind of software, they'll probably work out what kinks and stuff and come back with a better mousetrap in the future. And they certainly tried, but I think we're, at this point, we're, we're just kind of holding path. It sounds like your local emphasis has been so successful that you maybe haven't needed some of these uh, automated pipelines. Yeah, I think that's, that's a big part of it. But as far as the other ones, the Adomni and Vistar, mm -hmm. and that we haven't had any experience with them. It's our understanding that those companies are going to partner or have partnered with apparatics. So yes. we're hoping that those will become a part of that platform and, again, make it really easy for us to integrate with them. Terrific. Duke Energy attended the last OAAA conference, and they are entering the ad-supported kiosk business in Columbia. Can you guys talk about what they are doing and why out-of-home companies should care? That right now is up in the air in Columbia. That, hmm. that was their plan, and the city of Columbia did find something with them. Those kiosks were supposed to be installed in February, and as of today, they still have not been installed. So I'm not sure exactly where we are on that, but... It did concern us because basically the city, they were asking for a permit to erect, which is what is basically an outdoor advertising sign on the sidewalks of our street. Now, I don't know about most cities, but in our city, it is extremely difficult to get an outdoor advertising permit. And when you do, there are all kinds of issues that can crop up around it and, and it can cost you a lot of time and a lot of money to defend your permit and will to get it and then defend it. And so it, it really kind of struck us the wrong way that here was this out-of-state company just waltzing in here and, you know, getting a permit to put up a billboard, basically, on our city sidewalk. So we did ask the city to hold off on that and let's look at it. And so right now, we're, I'm not sure where things are going with it. Again, the kiosks have not been installed, so we're not... They we're just not sure that the model is going to work in Columbia, South Carolina. I get, you know, sometimes these people get these bright ideas. And I understand Duke is partnering with somebody out of New York, you know, with some kind of experience. But, gosh, over 15 years that I've been messing around in digital, I've watched a lot of people say they got this place-based systems that they're going to go in and they're engineering kind of people-oriented but not advertising-oriented. And there's a lot of investment that's been made that didn't quite figure it out. And I've looked at these. The reason that the city of Columbia was doing it was because their tourism people wanted visitors. They wanted to have something cool on the street for their visitors to kind of check out 
you know, the marketplace, but nobody has really yet had any kind of decent revenue stream plan. We even talked to the folks that are supposed to do the local advertising for them, and they said, well, we don't really know how to do it. So I think that what happens is people look at a map of the United States, they live in New York, and then such a street life there, and they look, if we get all these dots on a map, we can get this big advertiser to give us some money, you know, to go out there and put these things. And they're basically, you know, trying to be billboard developers using a better mousetrap. And I, I think that's still not ready for prime time. But, but I, I might be wrong. We kind of removed our objection, and they were supposed to put up three, and, and they haven't done it. So we're keeping a close eye on it. But, you know, fair ought to be fair for everybody. If we can't get permits. That's I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, my sense from the process, having watched the process, was this was not an open RFP, you know, like when a, when a city wants to put billboards in its transit system, they issue an open RFP. It's an open, transparent process. Everybody gets a chance to see and respond. Am I right? This was sort of a private deal that was presented as a yep. sort of under, uh, presented as something else. And that just smacks me as just unfair. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we that's how we felt. And where I think this needs to be watched by out of home companies is Duke is in a bunch of communities and if they do this in and it does work out in Columbia, you can expect if you're an out of home company and you're in Duke's footprint, you're gonna probably see them trying to work a private deal with municipalities in your market. Yeah, I, I think that's very much the kind of direction, you know, they're trying to go in. There's lots of play and talk about smart cities, you know, they're not the only one in that space. You know, there's branded cities, there's some other folks that are putting, you know, different types of inventory together to try to reach this, you know, kind of growing urban core, pedestrian oriented, mostly then some vehicular and it's got a long way to go. And I think it's like I said, when it comes to the business of advertising folks out of home, you got to include, I mean, in Columbia, there's only us and Lamar. Mm-hmm. So there should be some, you know, engagement and fairness. We know Lamar is going to get the lion's load of anything that goes on in outdoor advertising in Columbia. We just want to get, you know, our little share and for things to be fair. And that, you know, kind of comes back to the point that we just really want to be more cooperative and show a common front to the community and why, especially. Outdoor advertising is such a compliment to all the, you know, the online digital that everybody just wants to do. And now we've got tons of experts on online digital and nobody really knows yet. That's still being worked out. But with the research that OAAA does and says, you can amplify the value of your online digital if you take outdoor advertising to help supplement it and amplify it. So mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to make that case and continue to talk about it. I will say one thing, Dave, that it's interesting to me, I haven't been in the business for 35 years. For a long time, you know, we were in the section of the ordinance with strip joints and, you know, <laughs> video poker and all the unwanted things. Right. And litter on a stick and people hating you and you just have to have thick skin. But anecdotally, when I talk to anybody now about this, you know, I don't like billboards. You know, I don't like those digital signs because they give me information that I actually want. They're mm-hmm. not just putting a commercial message in my face. I see when the local nonprofits having their fundraiser or the school event is coming up or whatever. So I think we're bidding a place in the industry where we can and become within the community 
a vital part of it where, where people don't hate us anymore. I think you're right. Yeah. You know, San Jose right now is has got an initiative to put dig, digital billboards on city city buildings downtown, and their objectives, they say as much in their RFP, are to revitalize the downtown and create revenue to run this to help run the city. So billboards are being viewed not as litter, but as a way of revitalizing and energizing a downtown. Exactly. Hal, you said in a 2016 interview, our responsibility is to be in the community, to be active in the community, and to continue to bring people together. Can you unpack that and, and explain what this means for Grace Outdoor? People, you know, kind of make their, you know, assumptions, but I've said up front, Grace Outdoor is Grace Outdoor for a reason. We believe that we are not alone in the world, that we are connected to a higher power who wants us and commands us to love our neighbor. And so we are trying to put that in our little piece of the world to say, we can use our medium to communicate positive voices. You know, we had our better flag issue for many years in, in South Carolina that flew in front of the state house. It's hugely controversial. And the day that it went down, it was moved from the ground. There was all kind of people on the street. We got a digital billboard there. And we ran an ad on that about unity and working together. And people appreciated it. And so I think we're able to kind of extend our personalities and our personal convictions in a quality way, in a positive way, without, you know, kind of putting anybody down and saying, if we all work together, it's the same message that I'd say about working with the big companies. We're all going to be better off if we work together as opposed to tearing each other down. And that happens in all aspects of society. So we really feel that way at a very core level. And we don't do it perfectly. You know, we get mad sometimes and say stuff we don't mean to say or wish we hadn't have said. But for the most part, that's how we live. And it's what's most important to us. Yeah, I'm a big believer that any person can carry, I don't know, five or six things in their head that they can manage to at any one time, but probably not more than that. What are the four or five metrics that each of you follow to monitor how Grace Outdoor is doing? Well, I view Grace Outdoor as a sales organization. I mean, without the sales, there's really nothing else. You can have a great billboard. If you, if you don't sell it, it doesn't matter. So I look at sales numbers every day. Going through a bookkeeper transition, so that's been challenging. But, yeah. of course, we look at our revenue and our bottom line. And those are the things. I look at quarterly goals as well. We set quarterly goals. So we keep everybody gets a bonus. The whole firm gets a bonus if we reach certain goals. I mean, our AEs are the ones that are out there on the street, and they're the face of our company because they're, they're out there every day. But we want everybody in the office to feel like they're in sales, too. They're helping them to do mm -hmm. their job. If we get contracts processed and invoices out on time and if we have good collections, and then that helps. all of that helps in our sales efforts. Our, our creative helps in our sales efforts. So we do look at quarterly goals, and, and we give quarterly bonuses for good sales results. So that's what I look at. Mm-hmm. And Hal doesn't really look at them. We don't really like how to look at them. <laughs> we keep them away from all that. Can you give me some money? <laughs> Hal, you started out as a lease hound. You've been in development for much of your career. Can you talk a little bit about what you look for? When you're looking at a new site, what maybe makes you say, man, this site's going to work, or no, this site's not going to work, when you're looking at a new site? 
you know, a lot of people, when they ask me about how do you get a billboard site, you just go talk to them. I mean, you've got to start with the politics. You've got to understand the way the, the ordinances have, have evolved over time, what the, who the players are, what you might be able to do, because there are very little just licensable locations that you can just walk in and apply for a permit. Now, it might be some out there, but they're in places where there's not much demand. So you've got to have in your head wow, there's nothing over here. So I'll give you a a quick example. Indian Land, South Carolina is a suburb, really, of Charlotte, North Carolina, which is growing tremendously. And I had a guy call me who, a friend of mine, had a a lawyer client, said, can you get me a billboard? And I went up there, and there were no billboards for anywhere except for one. And it was a, you know, old poster panel, looked like it was about to fall down. And I just kept getting calls from people looking for something in that area. I said, man, if I could convert that to digital. So it took me a couple of years to convince the county that this would actually be good for them. And we've converted that to a double digital. It's our most, I think it's probably our highest occupancy, most successful sign. And the Indian Land Action Council president, after we put it up, called, and I'm bracing myself. She says, how? That's the best thing that's happened to our community in years. Is that right? We, you know, wow. So that, you know, it's kind of discerning where demand is, and that comes with experience in sales and understanding the marketplace. Mm-hmm. But then you got to look at what the local authorities and just kind of the laws, and then you can drill down. And then it's a lot easier to give somebody money that, than ask for it. So that's one of the good things about leasing as opposed to selling advertising. It's it does. It just You just try not to give them too much. Yep. Yep. I hear you. I think one of the things I've learned in my years in the billboard business is a bad lease never fixes itself. It is impossible if someone's <laughs> being paid too much to roll it back. I mean, it's, it is possible, but it is, it is like extracting a tooth. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely difficult. Yes. And painful. That's all for this week. Thanks for appearing on the show, Dion and Hal. You're welcome. Enjoyed it. We appreciate you, Dave, all that you're doing. Well, thank you very much. This podcast was sponsored by Adomni. Increase your revenue by listing your billboard on Adomni. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider podcast by visiting billboardinsider.com or by subscribing to the Billboard Insider podcast on iTunes or any of the usual podcast outlets. Our email is billboardinsider at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple weeks.